Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Happy New Year, everyone. Gail and I are back today to discuss some... We're doing our winter book preview. Uh, As I was looking through this list, there are so many good books that are coming out. I feel like last year I had a really good reading year. I mean, there were some things that were okay, but there were a lot of four and five star reads. And I feel like this year is shaping up to be similar. So Gail and I have some some stats that we're going to share. She's going to talk to you a little bit about what she found when she did her reading wrap up. We aren't going to do our backlist books or anything like that this week because we just have so many good books to talk about that are going to be coming out over the next two to three months. So yeah, so we'll talk about our book of the month picks, what we picked for January, and we have a lot of good stuff to get to. So let's just jump right in. We haven't talked in a while, so we can also catch up on a few things that we've read. Right. Definitely. As the year ended. Okay. So how did you end up finishing your year? When we spoke last, you had not yet done your little compilation of stats that you do on your blog. So what was your final number? You were at, I think, 61. I finished at 64. And um, I was pleased that um, my goals in 2018 had been to increase nonfiction and male writers. And I did. So this time I had 14 male authors and I had 10 nonfiction, which was a big increase out of, from the year before. So that's where I ended up. I have uh, 21 audiobooks, So I'm still doing about one quarter of my books are audio. Actually, one third, it looks like. Yeah, 21. Um, yeah. Yeah, a lot of audiobooks. And um, yeah, I was pretty happy with it. I had wanted to get to 60, and I did. And I've set another goal next year for hitting 60 again, because I feel like this year was a lot. And so I don't want to increase it much past year because I'll feel stressed out. So if I can... If you uh, hit 60 again, you have to go up. Okay. Because then I'll show that I can do that. That wasn't an aberration. Yeah, it was, it was a good year. There were so many good books last year. I kind of felt like I probably increased the number of like really, really good books, but there were still a lot of books. Like as I was scrolling through the you know, the cover images that I was like, wait, what was that book again? Or, you know, there were, there was kind of a few lulls where I was reading stuff that wasn't that memorable or that I didn't love. So my goal as always is to increase the kind of the satisfaction level with the books I read. And, and, you know, I think there's so much good stuff coming out. So I'll be even more um, picky this year than maybe I was last year. <laughs> and really like you try say to- that every year. I do say it every year. And I think the trend is going up. Right. Going up. But I, you know, I'm still striving. Like, you know, I don't, I'm not very scientific about it. I don't have like a, I know that, that Sarah on Sarah's bookshelves has like a, a satisfaction, uh, success rate stat that she uses. And I don't, I don't slice and dice my data the way she does. So I don't have that. But I, my guess is, as I look back, I do think that that success rate has gone up. I think I've been, I've been thinking a lot about what you, we recommendation source, you know, cause I said, I really mm-hmm. don't have that many. I don't know that I get a lot of strong recommendations in terms of 
oh, so-and-so read a book. Because I don't like to read reviews before I've read the book because I don't want anyone else's opinion influencing mine before I read the book and I see what I think. So once I have read something, then I will go and look and see what other people said and sort of compare and contrast and see if it was the same as my experience. But I don't know. I'm cu- I am curious about some of the things, like if I use Sarah's tracker, if it would come out that mm-hmm. a certain source was was someplace that did give me that final push to read the book. I don't know. Maybe I'll download her tracker. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. That was the year. And, and tell me again where you ended up. You were like over 100, right? No, I think I had set a goal of 85. And I think the last time we spoke, I was at something like 86. And I think I ended up reading 90 books. Wow. Yeah. Which I was surprised at, which was pretty good because 2019 was a challenging year for me. Like I just had a lot of, just a lot of family drama, a lot of things going on at work, you know, some deaths in the family, death of a beloved pet. So I was shocked that I had read as much as I did because there was a lot of time that I feel like I was not reading anything. Yeah. That's impressive that you got where you ended up where you did. So my goal for next year is going to be, it's 104 books, which is two a week, which I think is manageable, given that I read 90 in the midst of just not Mm -hmm. having an incredibly good reading year. So far, I have read four books this year. Wow. And then I'm in the middle of finishing, you know, very close to finishing a few more. I'm so proud of myself because I've listened to one audio book so far. And, you know, I'm not that great at audio. In the winter, especially. Yeah, that's great. Well, let's talk real quickly about what we've read since we last talked. I know some of mine are also going to be on my list for what's coming out uh, this winter. So we don't have to get into too much detail on that. I thought it might be nice to just catch up. Right. Let's do it. Let's see. Since we last talked, I read a couple of books. Let's see. I know we talked about the 9-11 book, so I'm going to go after that. So I read Such a Fun Age. We're going to talk about it in a couple weeks. I did read Nothing to See Here, which was my In Real Life Book Club book. That's did the, you like the it? Kevin Wilson book. You know, I didn't love it. I thought it was... I found that it didn't, it was kind of neither here nor there. Like some people are like, this is a funny, light read. Some people thought it was very touching. And I thought it straddled this weird middle line between trying to be funny and touching and that it didn't succeed in either direction. Hmm. Like I just, I I don't know. I was pretty disappointed by it. And my book club loved it. So I am definitely in the minority here. Yeah. What did they say about it? What, what? What really pulled them in? Some people thought it was funny. Some people thought they were really, they were very convinced by the relationships in it. They thought it was um, sweet. And um, this is the book about the, the, the kids that when they're upset that they burst into flames and right. That their stepmother has, (laughs) yeah, there's their, their stepmother has summoned, this old friend of hers from college to come and be their nanny, basically. And there's a relationship that develops between this woman, the nanny, and the two kids. 
And they were like, oh, we thought it was very touching and it was felt there was so much love there. And I just like, I found the relationships unconvincing. Like it just, the whole thing felt shallow to me. The bursting into flames part didn't really bother me. It's, I mean, I, I, I'm kind of with you that like, I'm not like, it, it felt absurd. And I was like, how am I going to, how am I going to read this book about this scenario that just seems so completely ludicrous? That part actually didn't bother me that much. But I just, I don't know, this, it didn't, it didn't do it for me. And I like Kevin Wilson. I really liked Perfect Little World. And um, I just, I don't know, this one I thought was overhyped. So are you a completist for Kevin Wilson? No, because I didn't read The Family Fang. Okay. And you have no interest, do you have any interest in reading The Family Fang? Um, I actually think I have it here sitting on the shelves. His yeah, books, I don't know. Out. I read the descriptions and I feel like, Sometimes I think I might like them, but I think that they just skew a little too weird for me. Like there'll be yeah. something Someone about it that's kind of quirky or sort of, I don't know. Like the family thing is about performance artists. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Some people compared it to Wes Anderson and I, that I can see that and that doesn't help because I don't like Wes Anderson either. Right. Um, Perfect Little World was, uh, to me, the most realistic Well, the, of these two, the more realistic of these two books. And I liked that because it felt actually like it could happen. Um, so I, I, I'm definitely a bigger fan of Perfect Little World. I don't know if I'll read Family Fang. Probably not. Right. So I also read The Wives by Taryn Fisher. And I think you which, talked about that and you said it ultimately turned out to just be popcorn and and you've, and kind you've of silly. sworn it off yeah. <laughs> again <laughs> yeah no i mean i'm not swearing off the psychological thrill i just thought that the ending was sort of silly on this one and i felt like i'd been vested all this time and i was like oh that's how it ends so i mean it was a page turner uh which is what i needed that's exactly why i picked it up it was like a crazy time and i was like i need something that i can just throw myself into so i read that and i i, de- I definitely don't recommend that book so let me mention in passing, because I feel like I love Carol Goodman. I'm going to read, I read her books. I'm like, they're just, they're popcorn, they're candy for me. Like I love her books, but she always has these endings that just yeah, three quarters of the book, you're all in and you get to that last quarter and just stuff starts happening. And then it ends. And it's just like, Oh, Carol, <laughs> but she's got another one coming out in March called the sea of lost girls. And, you know, I'm going to read it. It's like some woman is the wife of, of a guy who has an appointment at boarding school. And of course, something goes horribly wrong because apparently I'm just there for things going horribly wrong at boarding school. So <laughs> as as they do, as they do. <laughs> and then um, to my first book of the year, and I'll save my discussion of it because it's also on my list of winter reads. I read the new Jenny Awful book called Weather. So she's the author of Department of Speculation, and I just finished Weather. So I will save that for my discussion of the winter 2020 releases. So I think when we last spoke, I had told you that I read The Little Prince, and I had read Know My Name by Chanel, Chanel Miller. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, but since then, I finished, oh my gosh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine books. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, well, I don't know. I think our last show we recorded December 22nd, right? So a few things. That's still still like two weeks ago. (laughs) Maybe three weeks ago. A few things I had been close to finishing. Like I read Talent by Juliet Lapidos. 
and uh, I didn't love that book. It is it is about this woman who is stumped on what she should be writing her thesis on. And she seizes upon writing like this sort of semi-famous author who had only published one or two, I think, seminal works before he just doesn't write again. And she gets wind of the fact that he might have been working on like a third book when he dies and she becomes obsessed with it. I don't, it might be like a university that's sort of like Yale, but not like Yale. So it's a lot about like campus politics or, you know, I guess the futility of being a grad student. And I don't, I just didn't love it. It took me a long time to finish it. I think that book came out maybe in February or March and I had bought it and just maybe read a third of it. It wasn't really catching my attention, but then I, you know, it was uneven. Certain things I liked and would get into and certain things I didn't. I finished The Current by Tim Johnston, who I, and I really like this book, even though I had said it takes, it moves at a glacial rate. It takes a long time to get into, but the writing is just so great. I love the community of characters. And then once you hit the halfway point, this book is just so suspenseful and just really rocks along. Okay. I read this book called Light Changes Everything by Nancy E. Turner, which is historical fiction set back when Arizona is a territory about this strong female character who is trying to find her way. I think very quickly in the beginning of the novel, she gets engaged, but then she is off to art school in, I want to say she was in Chicago or somewhere in Illinois and just what a difference it is to be settled in a city as compared to growing up on Arizona territory. This book moved at such a fast pace. I can't say that I didn't enjoy it, but it's definitely like a lighter read. And some of the things that just happen out of nowhere happen very quickly. And it would be like, okay, I just kind of have to go with this. So, you know, for my mood, for just like with everything that was happening for me at the end of the year, it was nice to read something lighter. And in that vein, I read I read um, a bodice ripper called My Darling Duke by Stacey Reed which had a really cute premise. It is... Oh, I've seen the cover of this one, I think. Yeah, it's like a Fabio cover, you know, like the guy with his shirt ripped open and the woman leaning into him. (laughs) But it was right on time. It was just what I needed. I really liked that, you know, it wasn't... It was a premise that was, you know, kind of standard. This Duke has long been absent and there's all these rumors about him and this impoverished woman who's trying to get her sister's married off during the season just she pretends to be his fiance so that she can use his connections in order to launch her sisters and then she will sort of I don't know like just melt away into obscurity but of course he finds out what she's doing and comes to confront her and it it goes on from there just typical bodice ripper set in I don't know, I guess Regency England, Dukes and Duchesses. What was surprising was this this book was written by an African-American woman, I believe, Stacey Reed. Hmm. It was really good. Okay. So I'm just going to go down the li- Oh, I read Terrible. The This book called The Terrible uh, It's by this poet. Her name is Ursa Daly Ward. And she just, she talks about her, it's a memoir, I guess, about her growing up as, 
the daughter of Jamaican immigrants to England and what her life is like and kind of her battle with depression and what it was like to grow up in essentially an all white neighborhood, I would say. I mean, I think that she, yeah, it's basically about her experiences of, of being one of the only families of color growing up in this English neighborhood and, and kind of what she went through. So that was a memoir. I listened to Conviction by Denise, Denise Mina on audio, and that was so good and so fun. Such a fun mystery. A little bit lighter for her. It touches on a lot of different issues. It's about this woman who's basically gone into hiding. And, you know, she's settled under another name. She gets married. She has a couple of children. But she's an avid podcast listener, and she's listening to this podcast that coincidentally features someone that she knew in her past life and she starts to investigate to see I think he's accused of being responsible for murdering his children she doesn't think it's the case and hijinks ensue ensue it was sort of like the perfect blend between serious themes in a book some me too elements um but at the same time you know just kind of wacky they decide that they're gonna make this podcast about their investigation. So it combines some, some implausible features with things that were really plausible. And she did a good job. And the narrator was so good. She was Scottish. So you got, you know, that nice Scottish accent going. I actually listened to this at normal speed. I think I usually try to speed them up a little bit. 1.25 because some people talk so slow, but she was perfect. Okay. So, and I'm just going to mention titles on these last two because it, it was just so many books that I read. How to Love a Jamaican by Alexia Authors, which was short stories that basically deal with Jamaicans either in diaspora in the United States or Jamaicans who are living in Jamaica dealing with their relatives or dealing with their mothers. It was really good. So I might talk about that. I have that book. I've been curious about it. Later on a different show. It's really good. I would give it a try. So I read okay. Notes on the Silencing, which is really good. It doesn't come out till July, so we won't even talk about it too much. Notes on the Silencing by Lacey Crawford. Other than to say it's like a Me Too memoir set in boarding school that talks a lot about privilege, deals with her sexual assault, and basically deals with how her boarding school, you know, elite boarding school in New England covered up her assault and really made her culpable for it. And, you know, her research into what happened in the ensuing years when the scandal finally came to light. I mean, it's just, it's so good. But, um, but more on that later. And then what else did I read? The Black Cathedral by Marshall Gala. Oh, yeah, you talked about that. Yeah, that was an interesting book. I feel like I would have had much more of appreciation for it if I knew a lot more about Cuba. I won't talk. I'll make a note to talk more about it in in an upcoming show, maybe our next show when I have more time. Okay. I think that brings us into 2020. That <laughs> brings us into 2020. Let's turn to Book of the Month picks, January. What did you go for? Did you pick anything? Okay, so I did. And the book I picked is actually the first on my list of 2020 reads. So it's a great segue. Um, I chose Topics of Conversation by Miranda Popke. So did I. Oh, good. 
Yeah. Although that's a waste. We right. Should, should I was like, we should coordinate swap. better. <laughs> I know. We should have coordinated. Yeah, that one was the literary fiction pick that is about, it's, it sounds like it's written in a unusual style. I guess every chapter is just a conversation that the main character is having with another woman um, in all different contexts and about all different topics. And I don't know, it actually reminded me a bit of, of Jenny Awful or Department of Speculation in that it felt like it would be more, um, you know, not like a, a linear plot story, but more impressionistic, I guess. I don't right. know. It looked good. Yeah, I think Catherine might have mentioned this book on Sarah's Bookshelves Live did a podcast where they talk about their winter book preview, which I really recommend that you listen to because <laughs> a lot of books there that I probably would have mentioned, I feel like I can just refer you to their podcast because they talk <laughs> about it and they talked about yeah. this book. So I think Kat, it was Catherine's pick. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah was like, this book could either go really well or really wrong. So I don't think she picked it. I think she actually uh, took a pass on January, but um, no, I think it was uh, Catherine right, well, we who said that. It. Oh, but she was interested. Oh, yeah. Okay. 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 So we both picked that. Well, let's then jump into the 2020 because that was actually my first book for 2020. So Nicole and I each have picked uh, a number Wait, of hold books. On. We haven't. Oh, yeah. Because we both picked yeah. the same book. Yeah, I just yeah. want to say that it. I went back and I got Recursion by Blake Crouch, which. I like his I like his films and movies better than I like his books, but I just couldn't resist this one. And uh I got one other one and then we and then you can get into twenty twenty. Oh, I got Trick Mirror by mm, Gia Tolentino. Yeah, I was I was kind of lobbying for it for a book club pick, but I'm gonna I'm I don't know, I'm in this essay kick. That's great. Okay, so 2020, so Nicole and I each have a list and we haven't compared notes, so we may have a fair amount of overlap because I do seem, I keep seeing the same books popping up over and over again on these lists. So I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some overlap here. And I've even picked a few books that I know you've read, so I won't really get into them a lot because you've discussed them on the show before. But we've each picked uh, a number of books that are going to be released between now and March. Once again, we're in a great, era for books there's so many out right now embarrassment of riches i know it's interesting some of these are ones that i picked up at book expo so it's like they're finally hitting you know Mm -hmm. all right so my first one which came out last week was topics of conversation so we've already discussed that that's the miranda popkey book that we each picked for our book of the month pick um comes out uh or came out january 7th and we will report back once we've both read it well so my next book then is called You Were There Too by Colleen Oakley. And I'm actually in the middle of that one right now. I'm reading it for a book. How is that? Well, yeah, it's interesting. I'm, I'm reading it for a book blog. What do you call it when like a blog tour, which I'm going to be posting about at the end of the month. Um, I'm not sure I would have picked this book up on my own if it hadn't been pitched to me and I was invited to join this blog tour like a couple months ago. It's a book about this woman. um, She's living with her husband in a small town in Pennsylvania, and they're having some challenges in their marriage. They're they're having recurring miscarriages, and they are sort of not necessarily on the same page about what the next step should be about having to trying to have a baby. But the strange thing that's happening is that this woman keeps dreaming about this man. There's a man that has has recurred in her dreams since she was in high school. And then all of a sudden she meets him in real life. 
So what does it mean that there's this man out there? Um, what's the significance of the dreams? It turns out he's been dreaming about her too. So that makes it even more weird. And so I'm about maybe two thirds of the way through this book and I'm not sure where it's going. It's definitely a lighter book. It's kind of, I mean, I don't know if I'd call it a romance. It's, it's definitely women's fiction. It's not like literary fiction. Um, I, I've glanced at a few reviews of it, which say, suggest to me that some things are going to happen, like maybe some sad things are going to happen. So I'm not sure what they are, but um, it's, you know, it's moving along and it's really good for audio. I wanted something on audio that was going to be very plot driven that I could kind of throw myself into when I got back from Christmas break and this has fit the bill. So that book came out on January 7th and I'll be reviewing it on my blog at the end of January. I'm sure I'm going to finish it probably in the next couple of days, but I'm on the schedule to review it at the end of January. So they sent you the audiobook of that? No, they sent me the print. They sent me the print, but I um, got the audio from, I think, uh, the HarperCollins or wh- whatever the audio. Right, right. E- the email that we get every week that has all the links in it. I just downloaded it from there. So I've got it in print and audio, and I'm kind of toggling a little bit, but mostly doing it on audio. Okay. Yeah, I had looked at that and something about it. I think I either thought it was too light or yeah i could see that yeah i don't know i think it's gonna get it's gonna have some sort of probably dramatic resolution right but i'll i'll sometimes you need something light you know right i definitely read a couple of light ones uh i think the ghosts maybe it was the weird they've been dreaming of each other i don't know like sometimes i'm all i can really embrace that and sometimes i'm just like oh right i hear you I just, this is a segue from my essay thing. I'm all about essay collections lately. And there is a new essay collection by an Asian woman, Asian American woman called Minor Feelings. Her name is Kathy Park Hong, and she has written a collection of essays about just being caught in the middle of the... I guess, racial dynamics in the United States that are oftentimes just black and white. And there really is not space a lot for conversations about the experiences that other groups are having and how they experience race in this country. Specifically speaking about how Asian Americans usually have attached to them some level of the, you know, like the good minority label where they are, they supposedly excel in school and, you know, are wealthy. And she talks about the differences in what we call Asian and the Asian experience, talking about how, you know, that could mean that you are some brilliant developer in the tech world on the way, on the way down to someone who's just struggling to make it. And she talks about the levels of income inequality and just how Asian really you could be talking about someone who is Indian. You could be talking about someone, you know, who is from China, immigrant from China or Korea. And I believe she's Korean, but she talks about all of these myths that we have and how it is so easily, how other backgrounds are so easily subsumed, I guess, in our conversations on race and them being so, you know, there being such a dichotomy there. So I'm really interested to read that. Okay. And it's called Minority Feelings and Asian American Reckoning. Okay, so my next one, I don't know anything about this book, but I came across it on some list and it sounded good. It's called Kingdom Tide 
by Rye Curtis. And it's about two women. There's a park ranger and a woman who gets into a car crash. And it's about, I think the park ranger is helping to save the woman in the car crash. And it's about their backstories before this happened. And then their each of their perspectives once the rescue starts to happen. And I don't know anything about it. It just sounded really good. Have you ever heard of this book or this author? Mm-mm. New to me. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It just kind of caught my eye. Um, seems like it's done okay on Goodreads. It's a gripping, gripping novel of tough-minded resilience. So not my usual fare, but I thought I would throw it on the list. It sounded interesting. And that book <laughs> comes out on the 14th, January of the 14th. All right. The next book that I have on my list is called Lakewood. It's by Megan Giddings. And it is about this woman. It's so interesting because it's dystopian, but it's sort of like, I would say, locked room mystery in a little bit because this it's a debt riddled millennial woman. I think someone in her family dies and there is not enough money for her to continue to go to school. So she drops out of college and she takes this mysterious position in this remote town in Michigan. And it turns out that they are, you know, in exchange for getting, receiving a lot of money, there is also the expectation that she participates in experiments. And this is a black woman who has dropped out of school. So there are some elements of exploring, not just class, what working class families are expected to do in order to support their families and what they're exposed to. But there's also a racial element that is thrown into this. And, you know, it reminds me a lot about nonfiction books that have explored experimentation on poor working class people and people of color. You know, of course, we had the the Tuskegee experiment and also the immortal life of Henrietta Lacks, which focuses on the HALA gene, or mm-hmm. which was discovered in, in Henrietta Lacks and exploited basically without her family being compensated for it. Just lots of elements, you know, people who are isolated from society. What do you do to exchange your family? It kind of reminds me a lot of the farm mm. in terms of being in dire straits. Let me take this job oh, in the farm it was to be pregnant and this it is to to say that I think she has to say that she's going to be a housekeeper or she you know, she's saying that that's what she's doing but there's really this experimentation involved so that sounds really good okay I'm going to combine the next two into <clears throat> one entry because we've already talked about both of them on the show a little bit and one of them I think we're going to talk about again soon so the first one was dear Edward This was a book of the month pick a couple months, maybe. I haven't read it yet. And this was also just picked, was I think Jenna? Jenna's book? Jenna Reads? Um, One of the book clubs just picked this one too. So I'm actually really, really looking forward to reading this. This is a book about a plane crash and everybody on board the plane dies except for one 10-year-old boy. Maybe he's 12. And um, it's all about the aftermath of the flight and his life after that, he's lost his family and, and all of this attention on him after the flight. And then there's also a lot of backstory about the people who got on the plane with him. Um, it's by Anne Napolitano. I'm definitely going to read this at some point, although it's been gotten, it's gotten so much buzz leading up to now. And it was a book of the month pick. So I think a lot of people have already read it. 
And then the other book is a book that I'm reading and that Nicole has read called Uncanny Valley by Anna Weiner. This is a memoir about a woman who moves to San Francisco from Brooklyn to work in the tech world. And um, I'm about maybe a quarter of the way through. Nicole has finished this. So let's hold off on our discussion until I finish and then we can actually talk about it at greater length. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm really enjoying it so far. I, but I know from Nicole that at the point where I was, she was also really enjoying it, but maybe was a little disappointed by the end. So I'm trying not to have my antenna up too much for a slide in my enjoyment. It's definitely worth it if you are interested in just how tech, how invasive tech can be in your lives. I think that her main point with this book was not so much that people are collecting this information in terms of a macrocosm, but just more in terms of who really has access to your information in terms of the employees who Mm. work there, like the broad level of access that anyone in the company from like an assistant to a manager or sales, just how, yeah, anyone who's working at these companies or in and out of these companies has a broad level of access to information, which I think is one of the main things that freaked her out. I'm finding that this book is beautifully written. I just like her language is amazing. I had no complaints about the writing. I think that, you know, towards the end of the book, um, her level of dissatisfaction and how she expressed that. And I I don't, you know, I I just, we will talk about it more, but I just felt like the first half to three quarters were super focused and specific. And I know it's a memoir, but then she kind of gets into other things that, probably just weren't as interesting Mm. to me. I work for a tech company. So there's a lot of familiarity in the things that she writes about just the way these companies work and the way they're structured and the job titles and all that. So I'm finding a lot of things that ring very true. So there is a book out by Peter Swanson. He he wrote A Kind Worth Killing, which I really liked. And he's written a couple of others before she knew him, which I haven't read and her every fear, which I think I started but didn't finish. But I like his mystery writing. So this one is called Eight Perfect Murders. And it is about, it brings the book world into this, which I think is what makes it particularly appealing for me to read. Because he is, it's about, I guess, like this reclusive bookseller who has studiously researched all of the, he's come up with eight murders across literature that are just, the perfect crime. They were never solved. And he, I guess, profiles a wide range of these literary books that have perfect murders. And then, of course, he is surprised when a detective or an investigator at the FBI shows up and wants to ask him questions about this, because, of course, someone has found his list and has set about to recreate these perfect murders that he had detailed that he's collected from you know, his literary readings. And of course, he has a secret that plays into all of this that I I guess that as you read more of the book and and he helps this FBI investigator look into the crimes, um, we'll discover more about. So I'm really interested to read that. I'm excited to read that. Peter Swanson, I feel like his writing is always really good. So, um, and I really like the added book element to that. So I'm really looking forward to it. 
Okay, so my next one is called When We Were Vikings by Andrew David McDonald. comes out on January 28th. And I don't know a whole lot about this book either, but I've seen it around. And I think I picked this one up at Book Expo, so I think I have it. And it's about a girl living with her older brother, and they need money. And so it's about kind of their schemes for how they're going to raise money. And she is obsessed with Vikings. So I think that this is one of those like quirky character books, kind of like I've heard it described as or compared to Eleanor Oliphant. So I don't know sort of what the what the personality is of this girl narrator, but I think she's going to be kind of an offbeat offbeat person. But I've this book has popped up on a few different lists, and I thought I would include it here. Maybe I'll give that a try since I already have it in the house. So my next one has a premise that is totally fascinating to me. These, I can't say it. I was going to say a book that it, I was going to compare it to a book, but I think it would be a spoiler for that book. And this book is upfront. What I'm talking about is Deacon King Kong by James McBride. And it is about this man who, I think he does it in broad daylight. Like he kills this drug dealer who had just been terrorizing the community and nothing happens to him. So it's about how it's all, almost like a communal crime, you know, like everyone there have been witnesses to what goes on. But how does this affect this community and what has prompted this community to engage in vi- vigilante justice, I'll say. And James McBride is I wrote his he wrote a book. He wrote a book by James Brown and he also wrote a book called The Color of Water because I believe he writes about his mother And I think he was raised by a white mother, like he's biracial. I'm really looking forward to this one. Like I liked his writing in the James Brown book, but I felt like really he didn't know enough about James Brown because he was such a reclusive character. He also won an award. He won the National Book Award for The Good Lord Bird, Mm. which I have not read, but want to read. That book is being made into a movie, I think, with Ethan Hawke. Uh, Mm -hmm. The Good Lord Bird? Yes. Okay. So I did these chronologically, and there's two books I just want to mention. Um, I have not read them, but I believe you have read them both. And I know we've talked about them on the show, but they're coming out in this quarter. Um, The first one is My Dark Vanessa, which comes out January 28th. And the second one is A Good Neighborhood by... They move that back. It's like March 20th now or something. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. All right. So let's skip My Dark Vanessa. But... Well, my no, it's still within, it's winter. Okay, okay. so My Dark Vanessa by Kate Elizabeth Russell, which is a book about a girl who, a memoir about a girl who has an inappropriate relationship with. It's fiction. Oh, it's a fiction. That's right. But it's based on her life. A girl who's had a bad, had a, an inappropriate relationship with her English teacher. And it's about the impact of that relationship on her life, right? I mean, you, listen, you read it. I didn't read it. So, you know more than right. I. Um. And then the second one is A Good Neighborhood by Therese Ann Fowler, which comes out February 1st. And you have read that as well. And I think you talked about it on the show, maybe towards the end of last year. I did. I really liked, I mean, both of those books, I think, will be hot books that have a lot of buzz that everyone's going to be reading. Uh, My Dark Vanessa is really dark. I mean, because that book just really challenges, I guess, narratives of, of what we think about in relationships where there's a big empower imbalance and abuse, like really explores it from the scene of the victim or the psyche of the victim and how that's affected her. Like she doesn't really view this relationship as abuse. She's still in 
touch with, you know, the man who initiated a sexual relationship with her when she was 15. So there, it explores a lot of the conflict around that, you know, like it not being a black and white issue where she necessarily sees herself that way and and explores why. So that it's, it's a really thought provoking book. Well done. You'll hear a lot about it. And then a good neighborhood is a collective. It's like a community. This North Carolina community is telling the story of what happens when, when a family moves in, like a, a, a wealthy white family moves into, I guess, a sort of mixed neighborhood and their, their neighbors are African American and there, but there's a dispute over a tree, like their children become involved in a relationship and things just escalate. So it explores like how that community feels about what happened if they saw it coming. It was a really inter- interesting, I think, exploration of race and privilege and who's believed and who's not believed and what it means to live in a community and to contribute to a community together. But I'll have more to say about that, I, you know, closer to when that book is coming out. It'll be another hot one. All right. So the book that I was going to talk about because um, we haven't already talked about this, or at least we haven't recently, is one that was recommended to us by J. Ryan Straddle on the show when he was on called Cactus League by Emily Niemans. It is a book about baseball, which means I'm in. And it was recommended by J. Ryan Straddle, which means <laughs> I'm doubly in. Um, that comes out on February 4th. I'm really excited about it um, for to read it and get me back into the baseball mode because it's right around the time that pitchers and catchers report for spring training. And it's all about, um, I guess it takes place during spring training because it's called Cactus League. So my understanding of that book is that, too, you do not have to be a baseball fan to enjoy yes. it. But I bet if you are a baseball fan, that doesn't hurt. It's probably yeah, doubly, doubly satisfying. Wonderful. So that comes out on February 4th. So you must be excited. The Nats are coming off a win of the oh yes World Series. Yes. Yesterday I spent six hours at Nationals Park for Winterfest, which is like a big gathering of fans, and my son really wanted to go. So we went, and there were a bunch of players there, and they signed autographs and did Q&A, and it was really fun. So it was, it was nice to kind of get back into the baseball mindset a little bit. Do you think you're shaping up to have a similar year? That it, is it going to be um, like? Well, are you are, are, is your team one to be reckoned with? I think it is. We now? lost like we lost a really really good player, but we've uh, w- most of the good players we had are coming back. So the team is roughly the same as it was at the end of last year. It was such an un- improbable run for us to win the World Series, so it certainly wouldn't say we're like favored to, you know, get far into the playoffs again, but you never know. It's hard to top a World <laughs> Series year. That's yeah. funny. Right. Has any, well, I'm sure people have won it back to back. I don't know about that. The, the Giants won it every other year for, I think, four years. They, kept, they won it like 2008, 2010, something like that, 2012. I don't know about back to back years. That's a great question. It'd be really fun to think we could do that again, but I'm not even going to let my mind go there. So my next book, it's called Remembrance by Rita Woods. I really like this because this seemed to have some time travel elements to it a little bit, or if not time travel, sort of playing with times, there's dual times, there's, it starts off, I've read like the first chapter, it starts off with this woman in a nursing home and 
she is caring for this elderly black woman who has been non-responsive basically until like one, she wakes up and like this current passes through them and, you know, something happens to the woman. So she seems to be some harbinger of other times, some warning of, of dread and doom to come for this present day time. But it's also set in Haiti in 1791 um, on the brink of revolution and 1857 New Orleans. So it's getting to know the women of those time periods and seeing what messages that they have for people of today. Like, I, I mean, I really like that element of exploring different time periods and making connections. And I guess one of the comparisons to it is the Underground Railroad and it having some light magical elements in terms of how these times are able to interact with each other. I'm really looking forward to reading that. Okay, so my next book is the book that I talked about, Weather by Jenny Offal. It comes out on February 11th. And this book is about, my interpretation is that it's a book about how to be a parent um, or even just how to exist in this day with so much fear and anxiety around us where we've got, you know, it's, it's kind of about like living in Trump's America and a lot about climate change and kind of doomsday scenarios. And how do you handle all of that stress and anxiety while still parenting a small child and having to be grounded in the details of life and the mundane things. And it's told from the point of view of a young mother, they're living in New York and it's not dissimilar to Department of Speculation in its style. It's short paragraphs here or there. It feels in sometimes stream of consciousness, almost poetic. This exact same style of Department of Speculation. I mean, I dog-eared so many pages of this book because I just, every page, I was like, oh my God, that's brilliant. Oh yes, I, that feels familiar. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That made me laugh. I mean, every, that's kind of how I felt about her last book. And this is a short one. It will not take long to read. In fact, you, I, I slowed myself down a lot because I was really trying to savor it. But it's it's kind of if you're a, if you're a fan of Department of Speculation, I highly recommend picking this up. If you're looking for a super plot driven novel, this is not it. It's you know <laughs> very very particular style, but I love it and I thought it was very thought provoking. So my next book is one of my favorites, and I feel like. Let me see if there's another one that's sort of like this that I can lump in with this. Maybe I will lump in privilege. Okay, so one is The Truant by Kate Weinberg, and it is a campus novel, which I really like. So it is about uh, these students who get to know each other. They form a tight clique, and they are very involved with their charismatic professor, of course, until things go wrong. And I started reading this. I really love the writing. I think it's set in England. But it's just one of those those campus novels that was going to be on my radar. I think Sarah and um, Catherine, they mentioned one other that I also had on my list. I'm trying to think of the name of it so that I can mention it now because, you know, there are a couple of campus novels that I have my eye on. Mm. Do you have any campus novels on your list? I do. I th- you know what? I accidentally skipped it as we were reading through here. I do have a campus novel on the list. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I completely forgot to uh, to mention that one. It's called We Wish You Luck. 
Oh, that's the one that I was trying to find. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that's the one that they discussed that I also have on my list is one that I want to read. And then there was another one called Privilege, which I believe it, by Mary Adkins. And it concerns itself with boarding school, but from a different perspective, because I think we usually think of these New England boarding schools, but this one is set in the South, which I'm curious to read about. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your campus novel? Because it was one on my list, but I, I think you're probably more prepared to talk about it. Well, I don't know too much about it. I did see it on their list, and it's about um, a, a, a charismatic teacher who um, d- does something to abuse the trust of her students or piss them off somehow. And it's about students taking revenge on that teacher. That's all I know. And I just, I just know that they really liked it. That, that was uh, January the 14th release and it, it sounded really good. I've seen that around on a couple of different lists too. So that made it onto mine. I don't know much more than that. That's enough to know, I think. Yeah. That sounds really, yeah, it sounds, sounds pretty good. Privilege by Mary Adkin is also a campus novel that about gender and class in a Southern college campus. And it's supposed to be reminiscent of like prep and the female persuasion. Ooh, that sounds good. <laughs> that <laughs> hit, sounds like catnip for Gail, us. Right. In yeah. This, right. Yep. Should I go next? So how many more books do I you have? I have four more. I can do them kind of okay. quickly. Okay. So my next book, uh, I think I also got this at Book Expo. So it's been sitting on my shelf for a long time and now it's popping up everywhere. Saint X by Alexis Shapkin. And mm. this is a book about... That's a good one. Yeah. Have you read it already? I haven't, but it was... I gave it the eye. Yeah. It is about two sisters. One disappears uh, from a Caribbean island while the family's vacationing. And then she's a much younger sister. And then years later, the younger sister... Oh, and her body is found. So I think she's murdered. It's not that she's disappeared. Uh, years later, the younger sister comes across one of the men who was initially accused of the death of her sister, being responsible for the death of her sister, but was later acquitted. So it's kind of a uh, thriller, I guess, with a, a family domestic family setting as well. And I just see this book all over the place. So want to include that here, February the 18th. Okay, so going back to my collections of essays, which I am apparently all about recently, there is a collection coming out on February 25th from Mickey Kendall, and it's called Hood Feminism. Uh, notes from the mo- Notes from the Women That a Movement Forgot. So basically, this talks a lot about how feminism has traditionally worked to basically serve the needs of very, very privileged women of society, how it is not all encompassing in terms of how it addresses the needs of all women, especially poor women and women of color. So she argues that there are lots of different things that we do not think about that feminism does not or the broader experience of feminism does not account for, including access to quality education, safe neighborhoods, food insecurity, um, people making a living wage, health insurance, a lot of the hot button issues, or a lot of the issues that we're seeing are being tackled in fiction, in lots of fiction and nonfiction these days, because I think it is really problematic and has traditionally been problematic. But looking at ways that we can sort of start to work through and figure out a way to have uh, a more all-inclusive society. 
It's supposed to be a searing collection of essays, says it draws on her own experience with hunger, violence, and hypersexualization. So I'm really excited to read this one. Mm, sounds heavy. So my next two books are both repeat authors for me. Um, the first one is The Glass Hotel by Emily St. John Mandel. And this is about something having to do with a Ponzi scheme. It's about the Ponzi scheme collapse and the mysterious disappearance of a woman from a ship at sea and the connection between those two events, which seems like they would be disparate and not connected, but it turns out that they are. So it looks like it's got kind of a complicated backstory about um, this whole Ponzi scheme going on and then somebody who's somehow involved with it and it's global and says a captivating story of crisis and survival. Um, I loved Station Eleven, so I definitely want to give this one a try. And then the other book, which comes out the next day, so Emily St. John Mandel's book is February 24th, and the next one is February 25th, is called Apartment by Teddy Wayne. Teddy Wayne wrote uh, Loner, which we've talked about a little bit, about that very, very caustic book that takes place at Harvard, and I think you mentioned it was being made into a series or a movie. Mm -hmm. So this is a new book by that author. I learned about this one from um, Sarah Bookshelves, Sarah's Bookshelves preview. I didn't realize that he had a book coming out. And this is book is I about- I think I told you this on a show. Oh, did you tell me? <laughs> uh, you know, it's when I saw that I- It was a while back. I couldn't remember whether you had told me about the new book or if we were just talking about the series. So this one is about two men from very different backgrounds who are sharing an apartment in New York. And it's about the relationship that they develop while they're living in this apartment. And his book, I think we've talked about this. His book is very dark. At least his first book was very dark. And, but it's also like the darkly funny thing that sometimes I can't really resist. So I'll probably try to pick this one up too. So that's called Apartment by Teddy Wayne. So my next book is called The Girl with the Louding Voice by Abby Dare. And it is about a young Nigerian woman or a young Nigerian girl. She's 14. She knows that she really wants an education. And um, her mother has really encouraged her that the only way to be able to advocate for herself is to speak up for herself and to speak in a loud voice. But her father ends up selling her to a local man who is looking to have a son and to secure his family line with an heir. So instead of marrying this man, she runs away to the city. But the only options that she has, of course, is to work in servitude as someone in, in a household. But there she finds that her experiences are ones where she will need to speak up in order to speak up for herself, ensure her safety, and to also, I guess, pave a path for other girls who are in similar experiences. So... That one is out on February 4th from Dutton. All right. So my last book is called Adults by Emma Jane Unsworth. And I have never heard of her before. She's a British author. Have you ever heard of her before? No. Emma Unsworth. So um, this one is, looks like it'll be kind of lighter fare. It comes out on February 20th. And it is about a 30-something woman who kind of needs to get her life together. So her boyfriend has broken up with her. Her best friend is dumping her as well. She's aimless career-wise, and it's about, you know, is she ready to grow up? So 
The Gregory's description, deliciously candid and gloriously heartfelt adults is the story of one woman learning how to fall back in love with her life. So this seems like a light read, might be a good balance for some of the weightier fare that we've covered on this show. But that one comes out on February 20th. Okay, so my final book, and let me just pull up a different, oh no, that one has an even, <laughs> that release date is even further out. So let me just do something different really quick. All right, so my final pick for the show today is Blue Flowers by Carola Saavedra. And it looks like it's an, it's an epistolary novel. It is about a man who has just been through a divorce. He's moved into a new apartment. Of course, he's feeling alienated from the life and society that he used to enjoy before when he was married to his wife and living with his daughter. So nothing really feels real to him, but he begins to get these letters from a woman who is clearly troubled. Like she is writing to him, but she's really not writing to him because her letters are meant for the tenant of the last apartment. And it becomes clear that this woman is just sort of unraveling, but because he's feeling so lost, he does attempt to connect with her. And this explores what happens when he makes this connection with this troubled woman, I guess, in the midst of his, his, uh, his drifting in, after his divorce. So I have read a few pages just to get a sense of the writing. And the writing is, it's just like this stunning, beautiful writing. And I really want to read this, you know, just because it's about how, where he is in his life and unraveling in his life with the intersection of this, you know, this passionate woman who is clearly um, not at the tip peak of her mental faculties. Hmm. So it's supposed to be a novel of dark obsession, mi misconnections, and violent love. And it is out January 28th from Riverhead. Ooh, that sounds dark. <laughs> <laughs> we have delved into quite a few books. I would, as a companion piece to this podcast, I would recommend that you check out Sarah's Bookshelves Live Winter Preview with Catherine from The Gilmore Guide because... Either they talk about some of the books that we've mentioned, or I definitely know that there were some books that I felt comfortable leaving off my list because I knew that I would be able to refer you to a source who was going to talk about those same books. So we've given you a lot of books to think about and a place where you can look for a few more. And we look forward to engaging with these books, reading some of these books and reporting back on our experiences of of reading them. It looks like it's going to be a great reading year. Yeah. So next sure. week we will be, you know, more back to our regularly scheduled programming. Well, we'll tell you about the books that we're excited about for the week coming up, you know, what we've been reading backlist books that you need to check out and any kind of tidbits of literary news that we find interesting. Um, we'll also talk to you or have more information about our challenge and what we've decided to do with our March Madness reading competition, where uh, we're hoping that we will get more people involved with that and helping us set our bracket. I think we're going to set up some kind of voting scheme. So we've got some things that we're really looking forward to in this four first quarter of uh, 2020, new decade. Yes. All right. Well, until then, happy reading. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Readerly Report. You can find 
all of our shows on iTunes or at thereaderlyreport.com. Please join our Facebook group, Readerly Report Readers, where you can talk to other listeners about their reading life. You can also find Nicole at nicolebonia.com and me, Gail, at everydayiwritethebookblog.com. Finally, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes and told your book-loving friends about us.